Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Hey everybody, welcome to the 100th episode of The Minimalist Podcast. You probably hear a bunch of background noises during this quick intro. That's because we're recording this brief intro in the Phoenix airport. We're in the middle of tour right now. Speaking of being on tour, we're getting ready to announce our Australia and New Zealand tour dates. If you want to be the first to know about that, head on over to theminimalists.com, get on our email list, and you'll be the first to know. Actually, the people who are absolute first to know are our Patreon supporters. If you're interested in being a Patreon supporter, you'll have access to the pre-sale tickets for our Australia and New Zealand events. You can head on over to patreon.com slash the minimalist. Two other things that are going on right now. I'm about to teach my last writing class of the year, and it's actually my last writing class for a long time. It's called How to Write Better. It's a two-hour online workshop where I answer questions. I also sort of dissect my entire writing process and give you the resources that have helped me the most over the years, the best books and, and, and the best direction that I've gotten over the course of the last decade or so. HowToWriteBetter.org is where you can go to sign up for that workshop if you're interested. And also, Ryan and I are working with a whole slew of simplicity experts on something called a simple year in 2018. It's, uh, it's 12 months of guided simplicity. And what we're trying to do is we've, we're working with a bunch of experts on different areas. And so if you're interested in simplifying your life in 2018, head on over to theminimalists.com slash simple year. And you can find out all the details about that. Each month we cover a different topic from travel to decluttering and food. And the month that Ryan and I work on is gift giving. So we talk about the most effective and beneficial ways to approach gift giving in 2018. If you're interested in a little guided simplicity, we don't think you have to buy anything in order to simplify your life, but we know some people need some guidance. Head on over to theminimalists.com slash simple year. You can find out all the details over there. All right. We hope you enjoyed this 100th episode of The Minimalists Podcast. We'll see you soon. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists live in Vancouver. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. We, uh, we usually take phone calls. But we have a microphone up here, so don't call us. You can come right up to this microphone, and as the line is forming, what a day it has been, Ryan. Oh my goodness, man. Unbelievable. Holy shit. It started out so nice. And then those damn Canadians ruined everything. (laughs) It was a a foggy day like any other day in Vancouver. Hey, hey, I didn't mean that pejoratively. We lived just... in Missoula, Montana for the last five years. We know exactly about the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Anyway, um, we, we, were out, uh, we, we were out here doing sound check at 5.20 p.m. And I know the time specifically uh, because it's on the police report. <laughs> and uh, we're doing sound check. And someone left the back door propped open. And all of a sudden, we're getting ready to go to dinner. It's uh, 5.35 p.m. And go back there. Uh, Jessica was with us. She, she runs all our social media and fixes Ryan's hair occasionally. And, <laughs> and she's like, I can't find my bag. And I'm like, Jess, it's right there. I just saw it. Like, literally, we did sound check. I went back to use the restroom. Her bag was there. I came out. We set the chairs where they were going to be. We have a very complicated setup. <laughs> it takes hours to figure out where these two chairs are going to go. Within five minutes of like me coming back and uh, us setting the chairs up and then Jess going back to grab her bag before heading out to dinner, yeah, like someone had snuck in and totally like taken Josh's bag, taken Jessica's bag. Yeah, and um, idiot didn't know we're minimalists. Yeah. That's so funny. But actually, the, here's the irony of that. 
If you take my bag, you've essentially stolen everything I own. Uh, including my passport. So I'm Canadian now. Um, yeah, and so Ryan and I go looking around the neighborhood and uh, to see what we can find, and obviously you can't find anything. And I, I can tell you, I felt this amazing sense of zen. Like, there was just this letting go, and I was truly surprised by my reaction to all of this. Like, all of this wasn't happening to me, and it was just happening, and I was witnessing it. And the, the feeling of, of, I tell you, the feeling of letting go and the ease of letting go, I certainly wouldn't have been able to do seven, eight years ago. I would have been just yelling and oh, pissed off, throwing shit. And uh, it was just all gone. And then uh, this, the sound in here is really good tonight, right? They're, they're doing a great job. And that's because of Bo, who's back there. He also found the person who stole our bags. And Bo beat the shit out of him. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We, we don't advocate violence. He got the police involved and they arrested him. And, um, and we got our bags back. And um, that was pretty great. So it was good to be Canadian for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but no, it, it got all... everything back except Josh's shirt. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't, I'm wearing the, been wearing this shirt for several days now. Um... <laughs> I, yeah, everything was returned besides that. I mean, I think Jessica's lifetime supply of Manuka honey was in there. Her cauldron. Yes. I have no idea what she keeps in that All bag. All the supplements. Yeah, yes. yeah. But uh, it was, uh, it was, it's nice to be back in Canada, y'all. Uh, we have a lot of answers, so if anyone has any questions, you can uh, step on up to that microphone. Let us know your name, where you're from, and uh, what your question is in that order, ideally. I'll do my best. <laughs> Hi, I'm Janelle. I'm from here in Vancouver. Hey, Janelle. Thank you guys so much for coming. I'm really stoked to be here. Thanks and for being here. Yeah. And thanks for being first. We <laughs> yeah. appreciate that. I ran down here uh, <laughs> from way at the top. Yeah. Nice. Um, it's kind of coincidental that you brought up that uh, exact subject that I wanted to ask about, and I've been thinking about this question. Stolen passports? Close. <laughs> oh. A stolen, very valuable item. Um, you know, this, we're a big city. I'm sure this happens in every big city, but bikes get stolen all, every day, all day. And for some people like myself, it's the way we get around. It's the way we get to work, to school all the things, and it really hurts, right, when these things happen, and I just wonder if you've thought, especially Ryan, you know, I'm a snowboarder like you are, those things mean a lot to you, you go through so many memories with them, and you know, you really kind of connect with those things, even though they're still things, like, have you thought about what would happen, and how you would deal with that if you had that really kind of prized item stolen from you, because it does bring a lot of value to your life. Yeah, I mean, the thought of it, totally, which... I just want to say something real quick before I answer this question. I love Vancouver. Vancouver is beautiful. I was just joking about the foggy comment. <laughs> so don't hold that against me. Uh, speaking of snowboarding, like Grouse Mountain, when it is when it's pow pow up there, it's awesome. Like it's yeah, it's it's not bad. Um, uh, no, no it, it, it scares the hell out of me. Think about anyone stealing my mountain bike or snowboard. Yeah, that would suck. Um, but you know, at, at the end of the day, though, it, it's not. It's not the emotional attachment to the thing as much as it is to the experiences. So, man, uh, my so Mariah, my, my partner, she had her bike stolen a couple of years ago, and it was super sentimental to her, and like she was really bummed out. But it's replaceable, and and we did replace it. And actually, she had like a little cruiser bike, and I got her a mountain bike. Which is great because then, like, she can't take the cruiser bike up on the hill with me. So It'd be hard. it worked out. Yeah, it worked out really well <laughs> for us to replace it with a mountain bike. Um, uh, so now we're able to create even more memorable experiences and, ha and have more adventures. Um, but, you know, I'll say earlier today, when all that's even the passports that got stolen, I just I remember I'm like walking around and I'm just looking for someone with bags, which, by the way, I like, I'm, I'm looking for. Jess, uh, Jess's bag, 
in Josh's bag, but I have no idea what I'm gonna do if I find this person. I'm like, I'm like, what am I gonna do? Be like, um, excuse me, I think those are our bags. He was walking around shadow boxing, <laughs> looking menacing. And as I'm walking around, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, man, Jess's computer's in there, her passport was in there, uh, Josh's passport was in his bag. Um, I thought maybe his computer was in there too. Turns out it was at the hotel room, which was great. But like all this is going through my head and I'm like, man, I sure hope like Josh didn't have any books that he was writing just on his computer and wasn't like, you know, uh, putting it in the cloud somewhere as backup. But, you know, as I'm like having this, you know, tornado of thoughts going around, I, I really did get to a point where I'm like, all of this is replaceable. I'm like, none of this is is life-threatening. And I really thought to myself, I'm like, whoa, this is a really, this is like a true test of our whole philosophy, isn't it? Because I know, like, I don't know if Jess has any other bag except that backpack. I mean, I'm pretty sure, like, the majority of what she is uh, using on the tour is, is, is in that. So um, even then, I'm like, all right, we're going to have to, like, go find her some, you know, some clothes to replace the clothes that she lost. And, you know, if, if, if we need, absolutely have to get laptops, we can figure it out. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't really hold on to the, um, the physical object as, as the memory or as like the, the sense of adventure that I get. So if, if it got stolen from me, yeah, it would suck. I'd be bummed out. I have a longboard that has like all types of stickers. <laughs> yeah. Longboard. Actually. Yeah. You, you guys love longboarding here in Vancouver. Even I thought Missoula loved longboarding. Like this place is way more down with the longboarding but my longboard has all these stickers all over it like um friends who are in bands who are like hey here's a sticker and i'm like sweet i'll put this on my longboard um or uh we're at the fillmore in san francisco um which is like just an iconic venue like such an honor to be there i mean hendrix and the grateful dead and joplin and like you name i'm just naming old like hippie bands but there's been plenty of other <laughs> bands there too but like seriously, if you can think of a band, they have probably played at the Fillmore and, and, and sold it out. Um, and they gave us like, you know, backstage passes and like I put that on the bottom of my longboard. So there are all these like really cool, you know, mementos, I guess, that I have sticking to the bottom of my longboard. And I've thought about, I've went through this exercise where like, man, what if, what if someone has sold this longboard? It, I could still tell the story without the longboard, you know? So I guess that's what I, that's, that's really kind of my short answer is it doesn't matter what someone takes from me. Like I still have the story. Yeah. The only thing I'll add to that is I, my, I was surprised by the lack of emotion. Um, you, wait, you were surprised by your lack of emotion, right? I didn't, I didn't deploy my one emotion. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, <laughs> the emotion that I felt was inconvenience. <laughs> Because I was like, damn, I really like that passport picture. <laughs> I look like a Russian spy on it. Uh, it barely looks like me. Every time they like, go through the uh, uh, TSA or whatever, they look at it and they look at me and they're like... And you just look at them and you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was, I w but he here's the good news. Like, in, or maybe it's bad news. I don't know. Um, when they called and said they found it, I, I didn't feel like overly overwhelmed with joy or anything either because it's also stuff. And I don't. I, so, you 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 don't want the you don't want the love of stuff, right? And, and thus, when something comes back into my life, like it's good and I enjoy it. I'm grateful. I'm especially grateful for Bo for for everything that he did to find it. And um, I. I can tell you that the I felt joy. The, where I really felt the joy is I could see the panic on on Jess's face, and the only thing I could do when everything was was lost is go up to her and give her a hug and say we're not hurt, and and that's what's important. Thank you so much. Thanks for the question. Hey there. Howdy. What's your name? Lachlan, I'm from Kamloops. Hey, we met earlier we out did. front. Yes, I actually the thing that went through my mind when we you came out and gave us a hug was like, man, he seems really chill considering his passport just got stolen. So <laughs> right on, man. Thanks. Um, so yeah, I just want to say thanks first of all for making it up here. Your guys' message is just such a breath of fresh air. So thank you so oh, much. Thanks, man. It's our pleasure. 
So my question is, uh, I listen to your guys' podcast, and you always talk about uh, curating your life or your things or whatever. And, you know, what comes to mind for me is uh, sort of like a, you know, a, you know, a fancy art dealer, curator guy, and, um, but instead of paintings, it's, you know, the things, relationships, um, hobbies that you have in your life, and if a piece doesn't really fit in with your collection anymore, it's time to get rid of it, and I just wanted to get both of yours, uh, you know, opinions, and um, dive deeper into that, what that means for you guys, and sort of your process for curating things. Yeah, I think, I think a museum is a good synecdoche there for, for, life in general because what we're talking about is curation it, you go to a museum they the ones that are the most influential or uh, leave the lasting memories uh, they give you a particular feeling it's not just like well I saw the Picasso painting and I've checked that off my list now uh, there's a place called the Dolly Museum in St. Petersburg Florida uh, they, they built a new one I think in 2011 and it looks like Dolly, the museum itself looks like Salvador Dolly had a dream and it melted into this building. And it's, it's stunning. And I can tell you that, I, I, can, I can verbalize it, but what makes it stunning is the details. And, and I think it's the, the, that other 1% of, of attention to detail, the curation, the bringing, not just the beautiful things, but the appropriate things into your life, the useful things into your life, and, and doing so, well, here's a short answer for you, restraint is beauty. And I think that, I think that if we're able to restrain ourselves from constantly bringing in the, well, here's another short thing for you, um, uh, we've, we've moved into the lightning round, apparently. Um, I think the bones are the beauty. And I think that it, minimalism boils something down to its essence. Yeah, I, I think it's fun, man, curating stuff. In fact, like my partner Mariah and I, uh, when it comes to painting specifically, you brought that up, so I'll talk about that a little bit. I mean, that's really fun for us to um, kind of pick out what we're going to put on our walls. Um, you know, I, I, it's funny, like <laughs> when we're doing an interview or something like the reporter or whoever, like whoever will ask us, so like, is it just like stark white walls, no furniture? And I'm like, no, it's not. It's I'm not. like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's not like that for me. For some minimalists it is. And that's great. Um, but you know, Mariah and I, like we really do love to have, to have art. And I have, um, I have a lot of friends who are artists and I'll tell you, um, if it wasn't for Mariah, I actually probably would buy more art. But like, anytime I buy a piece, I'll send her a picture of it, and I'm like, "Hey, this looks really cool. Like, is this something that you would be down to have?" And, and you know, if she's not, uh, you know, really excited about it, then I, I'm not going to force that on her, and I'm certainly not going to buy it and just put it in storage somewhere. So I'll pass on it. Um, but you know, I think the curation process—it uh, is—it can be rigorous, I guess, and uh, definitely disciplined. But I think that it, it can also be a lot of fun too. And when you step back and you look at a well-curated art collection or life in general, like it's—it's it's a really, really good feeling. I would just add one other thing. So, so we're both moving uh, to Los Angeles this month, and. Um, I just moved there two days ago. Uh, my partner, Rebecca, met me there with the U-Haul, and it was not the 26-foot truck. It was, it was a little box sort of tethered to the back of our truck, uh, it just, you know, with a hitch. And um, we are, we're trying a bit of an experiment this, this next year or, or whatever, however long it is. I don't know the time frame. But um, we're trying an experiment on... Uh, slow acquisition because we're, we're, we're not going to just fill this new apartment that we're renting. Uh, I mean, you go there, it's a white box. You can see, you can go to my Instagram account. It's just, uh, what is my Instagram account? Joshua Milburn. No, that's not it. That's, Your Instagram account? That's a baseball player, I think. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It's Joshua Fields Milburn. Oh, there yeah. we go. Um, <laughs> but if you like baseball. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anyway, uh, yeah, so, so 
it's a white box right now, and we're we're very slowly. It's much easier to. Ooh, here's another pithy thing for you. It's much easier to. Or it's much easier to curate when you own less. There we go. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, man. Thank you. Hey, guys. How you doing? Outstanding. Yo, What's your name, brother? Awesome. My name's Matthew. I'm actually from a little place called Surrey, which lots of you guys know. Uh, a bit of a running joke here in Vancouver. I actually, I go to school in Vancouver, and I work Have in we Re- met before? I don't believe so. Okay. Never no. mind. <laughs> so I, I go to school in Richmond, and I work here in Vancouver. I spend hours on trans, and I just got to say, your guys' podcasts have made those trips a whole lot more bearable and have added so much value to my life, and I'm sure many other people out here in this crowd. Thanks, Thanks man. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's going to sound so weird when you're listening to our podcast and you're listening to yourself. That's exactly what I was thinking, <laughs> and now I'm going to think it again. Uh, I first found you guys on Netflix, and I absolutely fell in love with it started packing away clothes from my closet. Uh, But Ryan, you said something at the start of tonight that I really wanted to, that actually gave me the question. You mentioned an intentional life, you know? You guys have also said purpose. And I was wondering, kind of a two-part, how did you guys first come to live a purposeful and intentional life? And how would you suggest someone like myself or anyone else out here to get to that point as well? It's simple, man. You just quit school and start a blog. (laughs) (laughs) No, don't do that. I'm kidding. Secret. (laughs) Ryan, it reminds me. So so Sean sent me, podcast Sean, who um, he's really the man behind the minimalism. He is our tour manager. He is our road manager. He's our podcast producer, our podcast editor, our website editor, our book editor. Uh, email responder and um, everything else we don't want to do Sean does yeah and all around he's, uh, he's, he runs all the operations for the minimalist all around outstanding guy ladies and gentlemen podcast Sean yes. hiding in the shadows and uh, he sent me this uh, some audio to listen to um, he's like hey can you t- take a look at this before I uh, publish the, uh, the this episode of the podcast and it was a couple months ago and so I'm walking through the good food store in Missoula, Montana listening to our podcast because he asked me to right it's the only podcast Josh listens to <laughs> <laughs> the only uh, books he reads are ours <laughs> yeah I just I'm all coy sitting on a bench with everything that remains <laughs> Uh, no, I'm, I'm walking through there. I'm listening. I'm like buying ingredients for a smoothie. And um, uh, this person walks up and says, hey, I love your podcast. I'm like, thanks. I really appreciate it. They're like, I've really been getting a podcast. And I'm like, yeah, me too. And they go, are you listening to one right now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what are you listening to? <laughs> I listen to a bunch of different podcasts. <laughs> I, it's hard for me to lie, so yeah, I just left it there. <laughs> anyway, Ryan, what is an intentional life to you? Yeah, um, man, I'll tell you when I so when I was in the corporate world, um, driving from uh, Dayton, Ohio, down to Cincinnati, where like the main office was, it was um, on a really crappy like traffic day. It was probably like an hour and a half drive, maybe two hour drive, and I remember being stuck in traffic. And it was at a point where, like, the alcohol and drugs weren't working anymore. I mean, just the lifestyle I was living, it was, I mean, it was just coming to a head. And so first piece of advice is find enough pain (laughs) to make yourself want to change. So, like, I was experiencing that pain of, like, oh, crap, like, I don't know, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I hate what I do now. I don't see any way out of it. Um... And uh, all my pacifiers are not working anymore. And I just remember thinking, I'm like, man, if I could just find a way to contribute to as many people as possible. Like, I don't care if I live in a shack. I don't care if I live in a mansion. I just, I really want to do something that's meaningful to me. And it kind of stemmed from what my role was at the time. I mean, I was managing 
um, I was managing store managers and uh, teaching their employees how to sell like small office, home office, blah, 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 blah. But what was really cool about it is that these sales guys, especially like on the, on the ground floor, like I could, I could go to someone who was getting ready to like, I was getting ready to, you know, have fired and I could have a conversation with them and be like, look, I'm about, we're going to fire you. Like your bosses, we're going to let you go unless you can kind of turn it around. Like, how can I help you turn this around? And then like watching that person go from being fired to being employee of the month, like that to me was like the best feeling in the world, like having that type of effect on someone. So, you know, I'm in traffic and I'm just, you know, thinking to myself, like, how is there a way that I can uh, just contribute beyond myself in a meaningful way? Um, and this was, this was before minimalism, before Josh, I even asked him that, you know, question of why the hell are you so happy? But what I'll say is, is, is that stuck with me. And I know that that's kind of a cliche thing, like, dude, I just want to help people, man. <laughs> like... But it was true. Like that's that's the thought that I stuck with, and um, I didn't really, you know, I, di- I didn't uh, expect this to. I mean, this is amazing. That I mean, this is a beautiful accident that you know Josh and I are able to go on the road and tell our story. Um, but what I'll say is, when Josh introduced the concept of minimalism to me, that's where I was like, oh wow, like if oh yeah, like it was common sense. It wasn't this. It wasn't groundbreaking. It was more, oh, th- this these are people living common sense lives, but they're actually like walking, they're 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 walking the talk, or you know, they're actually doing it. And for me, it was, uh, yeah, if I don't have this huge mortgage, if I don't have, if I'm not, if I don't buy a new car every couple of years, if I stop going out and buying the latest upgrade, maybe. Um, I don't have to spend as much money and, and therefore I don't have to work as much and I can start reclaiming some of, some of my time to figure out what I am actually passionate about or, or you know something that I can do that feels much better than you know what I was doing at the time. So it was really a, a, you know kind of a slow transition between that, but I always held on to that one to that one thought of like how can I add value to as many people's lives as possible? And then after the packing party, that's when I went to Josh and I was like, this is a beautiful way <laughs> to like add value to other people's lives. Like this whole journey, this whole story, I think will resonate with a lot of people. And I continued to um, just cultivate that, you know? I mean, that first, that first year when I got laid off, I, we, I made like 23,000 bucks. I had I've never been happier. I've never traveled more. Like I traveled so much that year, and it's not like I didn't leave the corporate world with with millions of dollars. I had I had uh, like four to six months of bills saved up, and uh, you know it was enough to like for, as a safety net. But um, it, that that following year, it was just an amazing experience, and I just continued to cultivate through all the drudgery, through all the. I mean, this is like the first legit tour we have ever been on, man. I mean, we used to have to like call the venues. I don't know if anyone has ever tried to book a venue in another state, let alone another country. Like, it isn't just like, "Hi, I'd like to have your venue this day and time." Great, see you then. Bye. I mean, it, it is it is not that easy. And um, yeah, I mean, there there were, uh, there was a lot of hard work, but w- what I did is I stuck to that feeling of how can I contribute beyond myself in a meaningful way. And as long as what I was doing, the net result was was doing that, then like I felt really, really good about that. So, I guess to give you like a like a broad answer, because that's I mean that's a very specific recipe that you know I don't think anyone could really uh, uh, replicate. But certainly there are some ingredients there. But in broader terms, I think you know find something that that interests you, that you really that moves you, that makes you uh, feel worthy of of doing whatever it is. And put everything into it. I mean, that does, that does not mean to quit school and start a blog. That is the worst <laughs> advice anyone could ever give you, man. Um, but, but what I will say is that if there is something that interests you, that you don't have to quit your job and then do that. Like, you can totally start doing that 
while you're working, it's, it's really a matter of how are you going to prioritize things. So I would say find something you're passionate about and then prior, prioritize your life in a way where you can focus more on that and put everything that you have extra into it. I would just say that a meaningful life is a life in which your short, short-term actions are aligned with whatever your values are. And so get really, 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 really clear on what your values are. Uh, but that said, uh, the, the second thing I would say is a meaningful life is also filled with failure. And so get out there and fail some more. And if you're not failing a lot, then you're not failing enough. Amen. The best way to get good at failing is you, you practice. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. And I'm a hugger too, so I'll see you guys after the show. Eh? Yes, yes, you will. Sounds great. <laughs> All right, before we, we move on, stay put for one second here. Uh, for the people listening to this at home, by the way, Ryan, I yes. need to tell you something. And I think, if my math is correct, because as some of you know, this is a math podcast. In Canada, it's a maths podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is episode 100 of the Minimalist Podcast. Get out of here, dude. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. So um, for those of you listening at home, if you have a comment or a tip for anyone who asked a question today, then you can leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839, or just send a voice memo right from your phone to the email address, uh, podcast at theminimalists.com. We will air our favorite comments and tips on a future episode. Ryan, what time is it? It is time for our hashtag, Ask the Minimalists Lightning Round, where... Well, we usually answer questions from social media, but since you guys are here... Yes, indeed. Yeah, we'll go ahead and answer your questions. We're usually on Twitter. Actually, no, let's just go to Twitter right now. (laughs) (laughs) I got my phone. We're usually on Twitter and uh, Instagram and Facebook, at The Minimalists. Uh, We're thankful for uh, Jessica Lynn Williams over here, ladies and gentlemen. She helps us run all the social media, especially while we're on the road. We're still on there interacting with folks all the time, but she curates all the, the posts and the timing and makes it all look beautiful. So thank you, Jessica. Appreciate you. And uh, instead of going to Twitter, let's answer your questions. We usually do this with 140 characters or less, but since we're in front of a live audience, we'll maunder on a bit until we get something. Well, we usually pithy. have a week, like a week to prepare. Yeah. But since we have only a few seconds, yeah, we'll have to, yeah. Hi, what's your name? Hi, Ramble my name is Katarina. I'm from Vancouver. Hey, Katarina. And I'm a Montessori teacher. Welcome. Um, thank you. Thank you for bringing value to my life. Um, I've The last few months, I've decided to basically everything that you've said, get rid of things, think about changing my life, packed... Now, wait, wait. Is it everything I said or everything <laughs> Ryan said? Well, it's a little bit of both because I moved back to Vancouver from Thailand and we moved into 600 square feet and I decided everything has to fit with no storage boxes. So cool. that's where I am right now. Nice. Uh, but part of my process has been that I feel guilty for... I don't know, getting rid of this stuff and now that my life is changing and I'm starting to think that there are other options than what I'm used to living. What do you feel guilty about specifically? Well, now I'm thinking I could do something else other than the career that I've had before. Doors are opening that hadn't opened before and it's a little bit, I think, overwhelming, but I feel guilty. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know if you guys went through that. Sure. I don't think guilt is the emotion that you're feeling right now. Um, I, I, I understand why, because it, it feels really similar to what you felt in the past when you have felt guilt. And I, I grew up Catholic, so I'm acquainted with guilt. <laughs> and um, I think the, the emotion that you're feeling right now is anticipation. And, and it, may, it may be bordering on excitement, even. Um, I can tell you uh, that there are before we go out on stage to give our talk or whatever, I start to get like sweaty hands and my heart starts beating really fast. And, and, um, and then, and then of course, like I get to get a little lump in my throat and a tight, tight chest. And, uh, I start to tense up a little bit. And I know I'm so nervous. And then I'll look over at Ryan and he goes, I am so excited right now. <laughs> Excitement and stress manifests in your physiology the exact same way. Uh, 
And, and so quite often we think we are anxious or we're feeling guilty or whatever. There, there's often a positive emotion that's on the other side of that. And maybe, just maybe, you're feeling that. I think that's 140 characters. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of, it's perfect. Right on. Thank you. Oh, by the way, uh, Jessica set up a, a website called Minimal Maxims. So all these little pithy answers, um, we just put it out there. And she, she live tweets from, from the show usually as well. So if you use the hashtag less is now, she will, uh, sh- she'll uh, have all the pithy stuff on there and also not so pithy stuff. I think, uh, man, I'm trying to come up with a really nice pithy answer to this. Guilt is such a funny emotion because um, it's valuable to a certain extent, like, yeah, no, um, it is, uh, you know, if I, let's say I, (laughs) oh, let's say that Josh and I are supposed to meet in the lobby at a certain time and I'm a half hour late. (laughs) That would never happen in (laughs) Toronto three days ago. Yeah. Um, it's like, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I, you know, fell asleep and, you know, I, all this guilt of like, oh, man, like, I'm a half hour late. This is, I'm, I know how much it stresses Josh out. But, like, so to feel guilty then is a very useful emotion. To feel guilty now is pointless. Like, to, right now, for me to look back on that and feel guilty is, that doesn't do anything for anyone. All it does is, well, make me feel guilty. And... Uh, it's Dan Harris talked about um, in our documentary about how when you're running late to the airport, you know it's it's really important that you have this awareness that you have to get to the airport at a certain time. But to sit there and stress yourself out about it is is useless rumination. It, it, there there is a point where uh, guilt will serve a purpose, but there is also a point where it will it is just useless rumination. I think. Maybe my pithy answer would be uh, <laughs> Josh. Help me out here. I'm call, I'm calling a friend. No, no, I got it. Um, I, I would I would say something like uh, you know, ruminating in guilt of the past is the worst waste of your time. This is one of the worst ways, yeah, to waste your time. Okay, thank you. You're thank welcome. you. Howdy. Hello, how are you? Outstanding, how are you? Pretty good. What's your name? Stephanie Rose. Hey, Stephanie. I'm from Virginia. Um, It's quite the drive. Bravo. I came all the way (laughs) for the show. Just kidding, but actually, yes. Um, I just drove. DC's a little bit closer. I know. (laughs) DC to BC. So I drove um, 3,600 miles to move to Victoria. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Welcome. Um, and also, when I found out you guys were touring, I was like, I must go there. Like, I must go to the show. Thank you. Um, so, anyone else here from Victoria? <laughs> nice. Let's be nice. We tried to do the, do it again this time around, but it just it didn't work out. We we did Victoria a couple years ago. Sorry. Well, we will, we will be back. We promise. So I just wanted to let you guys know that you were a huge inspiration for my move. Um, I, I'm a dual citizen, so about a year ago I quit my job. Not, you know, it was just because I wasn't happy, and I decided to move to Canada because the West Coast. I just wanted to live out here. Because of 2016. A. <laughs> we had a really hard year. <laughs> so um, I ba- essentially gave up 80% of what I owned. And at that part in my life, at that time, I didn't think I even had that much. Five bags to the Goodwill later, right? Um, So I packed everything in my car and it fit. It was like cataloged and organized and I drove through Canada and it was incredible. Um, And You you drive down the one? Oh yeah. Oh, nice. (laughs) And the 17 in Ontario and 417 in Quebec. So, (laughs) um, but it's an honor being here. I guess my question is, um, for both of you guys, what is your um, favorite book or online resource that has helped you um, kind of thrive in the minim- minimalism lifestyle that you hold dear to you? So, so this isn't going to be a, a very beautiful, pithy answer. You can't answer with theminimalists.com. <laughs> 
what one Ryan, there are three <laughs> books. I'm trying to decide between one of them. And they're available in the lobby afterward. Um, no, in all seriousness, though, they are available out there, but uh, it's not meant to be funny. If you didn't bring a wallet and, uh, or you just can't afford one, uh, we'd be happy to buy a book for you if you want one. Just pass it on, minimize it afterward when, when you're done with, with the book. It does no good collecting dust on, on a shelf. Uh, in terms of, of books that have had a lot of influence on me, I mean, there are, are quite a few. I, I started out writing fiction, and I never anticipated writing nonfiction at all. So um, there are some authors that, uh, like Jonathan Franzen and David Foster Wallace, who have had a tremendous impact on my life. Uh, the person who made me want to write nonfiction or write memoirs in particular was uh, Mary Carr. She has three great books, uh, Liars Club, Cherry, and Lit. She also has a great nonfiction book called The Art of Memoir. And in terms of like minimalist living, I go way, like, I look way back at the old texts of the Stoics. Uh, Epictetus is my favorite. And so um, he has a, a, a book, or he didn't actually write the book. It's from his lectures that one of his students transcribed. Um, it's called The Discourses. And it's... Um, 80% useful, and those useful bits are 100% beautiful. I've got to say, I'm more of a Marcus Aurelius fan personally. Ah. <laughs> um, I'm going to give you a documentary. Uh, there is a Tom Shadyac documentary called I Am, and that that is what. I can't remember when did that come out. Like right as the Minimalists came out, I think I think it was yeah, like uh, 2011. It was maybe. right around Two, the same time. Yeah, but I remember like that when that. So <clears throat> for those who haven't seen it, Tom Shadyac. Uh, well, for those of you who don't know who he is, he did like Ace Ventura and what else? Liar, 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 liar. A lot of Jim Carrey movies. Really like famous Hollywood guy, and he went through this whole experience of having a uh, concussion which you know changed how he had to live his life and then he realized like oh wow like i'm really just doing this because i feel like this is what i should be doing rather than actually doing what i want to do um but i remember when that when that documentary came out if you haven't seen i am like you, you got to see it it's amazing um it just it was for me it was the affirmation of like i am not crazy like we we actually are onto something, and um, it was it was, yeah it was just like one of the most encouraging pieces of of work that um, that I've had like through through this whole time. I could list off some books too stuff, but I think I am is like definitely a must see. He did a follow up. Is it called Happy? I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either. Yeah. Let us know how it is. <laughs> well, we just mentioned a bunch of stuff. Sean will put that all in the show notes since we didn't have anything pithy for you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Howdy. Hi. What's your name? Heather. Hey, Heather. I'm from Pitt Meadows, and I love your podcast. Thank it's you. Awesome. Makes my commute awesome. My question tonight is about minimalism and parenting. So, I yes, yay. Um, my question is, how can I work through uh, impressing minimalism on my children while respecting they're very young, their attachment to their things? How many kids? Two. How old? Five and a half and three. Okay. And I don't want to, pun intended, minimalize their feelings during the process. So, Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's important. So, Ryan, you don't have kids. What's your advice? <laughs> minimize the kids. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. No, you know, I, I think as, as uh, I don't know, as, uh, jo I'm stealing this from Joshua Becker because I don't have kids, so... Yeah, it's very easy for me to give advice on who will be at our Phoenix event. I don't have any. Yeah, he will be at our Phoenix event. But uh, he's got he he has this book out called Clutter Free with Kids. Have you have you okay? So you've seen this. So in the book, he talks about um, there's one line that really stood out to me about how you know as parents uh, you don't want to and you can't you know control your kids, but you do have the ability to set boundaries. And I think that is is where it starts. Um, one example is a uh, it was someone in our audience. I forget which city it was, but she was talking about how when her uh, daughter 
will come home. She's like five or six years old and has like a piece of artwork. And she's like, hey, I want to put this on the refrigerator. And she's like, the mother was like, you know, I hate to tell my kids no. So what I do is I tell her yes. I'm like, yes, we can absolutely put this on the refrigerator. And they walk over and like the refrigerator is already covered in art. So she's like, all right, well, which one would you like to take down and throw away? And then like the kid has to make this deliberate decision of like, okay, this one's old news. I don't like this one anymore. We'll go ahead and get rid of this one. We're going to replace it with the new one. And I think things like that is what really uh, is, is empowering for kids. Because, yeah, you don't want to just minimize their feelings. That is certainly true. So I, I think, you know, when it comes to parenting, the question is, is, you know, how can I set boundaries for my children and still respecting their, their feelings and emotions. I think that when I, so, so, so Bex, my partner and I, we, we've been working with uh, Ella on saying yes to her a lot because it's always, with a little kid, I mean, ever since she was two, I got really good at saying no to everything. No, stop, no, just stop it. And uh, and instead, I I save those no's as if like I have a short supply of them, and I want to be able to use them. So when I do use it, it is more effective because she she just hears no all the time. Then it becomes this amorphous blob of nonsense. And so now I I will say yes and and we've gotten really good. At, you know, can I have a cookie? Yes, you can have one this weekend. Uh, if you do this, this, and this, right? And um, I didn't mean for that to be funny, but apparently it was. Uh, so so here, here's the thing. I, I, I work really hard to say yes and save my no's for when they are, are most appropriate. And the other thing that I, I, that, that I work really hard to do with Ella, who, by the way, is on Twitter, at Ella Sandwich, for those of you... Um, who would like to follow along her, her childhood one obnoxious tweet at a time. Um, she, uh, today's tweet was, I have a whole thing cataloged on my phone of all of the things she says. Today's tweet was, um, I'm hungry all the time, even when I'm sleeping. <laughs> That's how I feel. <laughs> Give her a cookie. <laughs> That's the problem. Um, yes, and I will. Uh, so, so uh, the thing that I try to do is challenge her and, and, and have, have discussions around, around things. And she's four years old, so I understand she's not going to understand many of the concepts or even words that I'm using with her, and that's okay. But I, I continue to challenge her, but while I'm doing that, it's also challenging me. That's pithy. Write that down, Sean. Thank you. Thanks. All right, before we move on, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, before, before we move on, how many more people do we have over there? If you had to count. Seven. Seven. All right. Um, can we grab four for a bonus podcast, which we're going to record exclusively for our Patreon members in a moment. But first, I want to move on to something called an added value segment. So I have to apologize to three people that want to sit down right now. I'm really, really sorry. I promise you'll get an uh, extra tight, slow dance hug from Ryan afterward. Um, we'll, we'll hold on to four people and we'll try to be quick with their questions. But first, we need to move on to an added value portion of the show. This is where Ryan and I each recommend, not even recommend, we talk about something that has added value to our lives recently. And since we are here in Vancouver, we might as well recommend something that we love in Vancouver. Ryan, what has added value to your life in Vancouver? Man, I love so many things in Vancouver. Um... Did you say the fog is one of them? <laughs> I even love the fog. Um, man, uh, well, first off, I'll say what I really appreciate about Canada and, well, I, I think Vancouver more so. Um, there aren't a ton of chains. Like, it's not like... Like, like gold chains? Yeah, not a ton of gold chains. <laughs> also, there aren't a ton of, like, restaurant chains. Like, there, it's not like... Fridays, Applebee's, uh, you know, all the other like major, like there are so many mom and pop places 
And to me, like what that means is like there are a lot of passionate people in Vancouver, and they, yeah, and they. <laughs> and and I I just I, I really respect that. Um, so many places to recommend. Uh, Banditos, have you guys been there at all? Yeah, the place is awesome. It's got to be one of my favorite places to eat, not just in in Vancouver, but in Canada. It's yeah, unbelievable. Oh, so good. Um, Matchstick Coffee is go- beautiful. Um, and well, he stole what I was going to recommend. <laughs> And if you haven't been to, uh, if you're a snowboarder, well, actually, I'm assuming you have been to Grouse Mountain, so I'm not going to recommend that. But if you haven't taken, you know, if you're not a snoboarder and you haven't taken the, uh, what do they call that thing? The gondola, gondola up to the top of the mountain. You live in Vancouver. Go do that for crying out loud. And actually, all right, how many, okay, so how many people here are like from BC originally? All right. All right, awesome. How many people have never left BC? You live in fucking Canada, man. Get out there. It's a beautiful place. It is so gorgeous. Uh, Whether you go... Banff? Are you kidding me? You haven't been to Banff? Oh, my goodness. So I'm I'm recommending two local places, and then I'm wrecking Canada to Canada. (laughs) Hey, guys, you ever been to Canada? Um, well, Ryan stepped on my uh, added value, but I will try to pick it up and dust it off here. Uh, Ryan and I opened a coffee shop last year, and one of the reasons we did it is we are really passionate about connecting people and, and sometimes providing a space, and we found some folks that we could do that with. It's a place in, in St. Petersburg, Florida called uh, Bandit, but we've gone all over you know, we, we've done a 100-city tour in 2014. We, we, this is our eighth tour in seven years, and it's really just a great excuse for us to find really great coffee. <laughs> and I can tell you, in the top three, or definitely in the top five coffee shops on the continent, you have one here, and it's a place called Matchstick Coffee. It's over on 15th. Yeah. Yeah. Give them, go check it out if you haven't already. It's, it's truly amazing. The aesthetics are beautiful. I mean, talk about curation. Uh, they do an outstanding job. Great service, great people, great place, and just outstanding coffee. So you can check that out. It's called Matchstick. Let's move on real quick to right here, right now. So we talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. If you didn't notice, we're on a tour right now. It's a 40-city tour called the Less Is Now Tour. Um, and you can find all the dates to that if you're at home listening to this. Uh, all of Canada sold out. So bravo, Canada. We love you too, Canada. But there are still some tickets left to a few cities in the United States. A bunch of them have sold out. Lessisnow.com. One city that hasn't sold out yet is Houston. And I'm going to bring that up in particular because there is, well, there's a lot going on in Houston right now. So it's pretty understandable that they're not buying our tickets. Um, But here's the the thing. Uh, Whenever a tragedy strikes, Ryan and I believe that that giving is living. And it sounds like a, a trite truism, but... It's true. It just, it, it just is true. And so contribution is part of living a meaningful life. And so in Houston right now, uh, there are a lot of people suffering. Over 100,000 houses have flooded. In fact, our coffee shop down in St. Petersburg, Florida, we're getting ready. We, they just, we got photos today that it's all boarded up because the next hurricane uh, is getting ready to hit Florida now. And so we had to close and, and, and board that all up. But that's nothing compared to what's going on in Houston right now. I mean, if you've seen the photos of the flooding and, and the, the people, and I mean, a bunch of people have died as well. But the rebuilding efforts there are going to take years. And so we've partnered up with a, a nonprofit called Global Giving. And... Um, if you get a chance, if for those of you listening to this at home, you want to attend our Houston event, 100% of the profits from that event on November 5th go to Global Giving. Now, they're doing a couple things. They're putting that money toward the relief efforts right now because you need medicine and food and shelter and immediate assistance. But the second half, which we often forget about, is long-term rebuilding. It's going to take years to rebuild. There's going to be a lot of problems with the humidity and mold and all this other stuff. And so it's going to cost a lot of money. And so they need, they need whatever help they can get. 
And we found there's three ways you can help. One is you can attend that event. If you're anywhere local or you want to come down and attend that event, 100% of the profits are going to go to Global Giving. Number two is you can donate directly to uh, Global Giving. And you can just go to theminimalists.com slash Harvey, which is the, the Hurricane Harvey, and you can donate directly from there, whatever amount you want. Thanks. And thanks to you, we're able to do a lot of cool stuff like that, where we, we've had the opportunity to build schools or to fund other charities in the past. And it's not because Ryan and I are some supreme altruists. It's because we've been able to connect with a lot of awesome people who are willing to contribute as well. So thank you so much for that. Um, and also one, one last thing to mention here is uh, all of our sponsors, right? This is the time where we recommend the mattresses and... Uh, Have you been finding trouble sleeping at night? <laughs> <laughs> you need new bedding. You know, three presidents have slept on this bedding. Um, <laughs> who else can we mock? I don't know. Let's alienate ourselves even more from the podcast right, community. Right, right, right. Uh, anyway... Um, <laughs> We're fortunate enough to, and this is weird to say, I, we have one of the largest podcasts in the world, and that was also a beautiful accident. We never intended to do this long term. It was uh, a fun little thing to do while our documentary was was coming out, and then it's turned into something completely different. Uh, but we refuse to take advertisements because advertisements don't align with our values personally. It's not us knocking anyone else who does it, and there are actually good ways where you can use advertising on your platform. It's difficult, but it is possible to, to do so deliberately. But because we are 100% advertisement free, we ask for some help from our audience. We're, we're looking for 1% of our audience to contribute two bucks. And, and the way that works is Ryan and I are building a podcast and film studio in Los Angeles. Uh, none of the money that is donated to our podcast goes to me or Ryan directly. It all goes to help build this podcast studio so we can invest in more meaningful creations. We want to do a lot more video work because we were really shocked by how much the, the uh, documentary that we put out resonated with people, people of all ages. We've had a lot of teenagers and college kids come to the events and all the way up, up to people in their 90s showing up at events and saying they saw the documentary. So we want to do more of that. We want to do short video creations, video essays, vlogs, all kinds of stuff that we can put out there, but we can only do so if we have your help. So if you want to support us, uh, we're doing something called Patreon. It's, you can just go to theminimalists.com, click on the donate button at the top. You can contribute one time via PayPal or per episode via Patreon. And if you contribute on Patreon, we're doing, uh, we've been doing this every single week now for the last uh, what month, month and a half, something like that. Uh, you get a separate podcast feed that shows up reg in your regular podcast feed, however you listen to podcasts, called The Minimalist's Private Podcasts. And what we're doing is we, we sort of do an overtime episode for every episode that we're going to record. And we're going to do that right now here with a live audience. So it's going to be like private plus. There's going to be you know, four or 500 people here tonight and then whoever's listened to this in the private podcast feed. And you get access to that if you contribute to, uh, to the Patreon account. So we have some questions here. Sean, this is where you'll like fade to black or something, and then we'll, we'll turn this into a, a special private podcast. And now back to our regularly scheduled podcast. <laughs> Welcome back. Um, actually, you know, a couple things there from, from the, the overtime thing that we were just recording, Ryan. Um, uh, I was just joking about the whole cult thing. That's... Um, jokes. Um, I, I just, I want to make sure for the half of you who were dragged here by a friend or family member, like, not to get the impression that, like, there's no dogma. I'm not trying to convert anyone to minimalism tonight. Um, but we do have certificates available out in the lobby. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Uh, uh, no, and, um, the, the thing with relationships, uh, that, that last question there on, on the, the private podcast, um, I think I think sometimes I think I think it's okay to be unattached to a relationship, and what I mean by that is willing to walk away. Uh, always be willing to walk away from a relationship. Uh, my partner Rebecca and I, we we talk about this all the time. We make sure that like, is this what we still want? Because 
it's fine if you want to go sign a marriage certificate and put a ring on your finger or whatever, but, but that doesn't equal real commitment. Real commitment is being willing to show up every day and, and show that other person that you care about them, they care for you, and you can be each other's caretaker. I mean, I, I think love, in a certain, to, to a certain extent, I think love is, is, is just uh, two people wanting the same thing for more than a moment. And and uh, so you're you're constantly reevaluating. Do I want to be in this? Do our values align? And if the answer to that is yes, then you can emphatically run toward that relationship. And if the answer is no, you can ask yourself why. And can I repair this so that we don't just drift apart? That's what happened in my marriage in my twenties. I forsook the person closest to me, and we drifted apart. We had different goals, we had different outcomes, we had different values. I didn't even realize it until we were so far apart it didn't even matter anymore. And so sometimes I don't advocate being attached to someone. I, I, I advocate being committed through those daily actions. Hey, before we wrap this up, I, I just want to say thanks to the Rio Theater for having us here tonight. And uh, there's one other person I want to thank tonight. Actually, two other people. I want to thank Bo again for saving our passports. Thank you, Bo. Yeah, man. Way to pull through. And uh, most important, I, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for being here tonight. Uh, you paid some money to get in, and that's great, because we used to have these events in uh, like coffee shops. The first one we had in Vancouver... I shit you not, was on a patch of grass in a park. Uh, July 2012. Is there anyone here from that? I'm just curious. Yes, that is so freaking awesome, man. That is killer. That is so cool. Um, and it's great because we, we got to go out and listen. The reason we could tell the stories we do during our, ta our, our talk that we give at the first 45 minutes of this thing is because we went out and we listened to a lot of people and we told different stories. We found out what resonated, what didn't resonate. And then we'd end up sleeping at a rest stop or occasionally if we got lucky on a reader's floor or something. And so you paid some money to be here tonight so we could actually sleep in a bed tonight before we get up at 4 a.m. and head to Calgary tomorrow. And um, it allows us to pay Sean and Jessica and all the staff here and the security and have an awesome venue with a roof and everything. <laughs> um, and we really couldn't have done that without you tonight. Uh, well, mainly because we'd be speaking to a bunch of empty seats. Anyway, um, you also gave up two far more precious resources tonight, your time and your attention. And we're really grateful for that. And if you leave here tonight with just uh, one message, well, actually, we'll be out there afterward in about 20 minutes. You can come get a hug as well if you want. But if you leave here tonight with one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Vancouver. Thank you so much. Hi, Joshua and Ryan. My name is Kelly. Um, I'm calling from Hampshire, Illinois, and I just had an answer for Leah on episode 99 on her question with marriage and minimalism. And I just wanted to say, um, as well as her, I would like to have a small wedding one day, um, but it's a little difficult because it costs a lot of money and it usually involves a lot of stuff. But I just wanted to give her the idea if she hasn't thought yet. Um, having a backyard wedding is, I feel, one of the most simple and cheapest ways to go. My mother had one, and it was really fun, and we were able to use a lot of the decorations and uh, after the wedding. So, yeah, I just wanted to let her know that um, backyard weddings are pretty awesome. My name is Betsy. I'm from upstate New York. Uh, I have a message for Jean, the woman on your podcast about building a tiny house, um, and she was looking for ways to minimize her kitchen. Um, I recommend uh, looking into an instant pot. It's an all-in-one pressure cooker, slow cooker, rice cooker, yogurt maker. I, it's best if you uh, YouTube or Google it rather than listen to me rave about it, but it sure saves a lot of space and uh, it saves on extra appliances. 
Hey, Josh Ryan, my name is uh, Nick Cozan from Evansville, Indiana, and uh, I just got done listening to episode 55 on critics, and I just wanted to share a quote that I heard from my friend, and uh, he got this from his grandpa, and it's all, one of my all-time favorite quotes now, um, and it is, don't take criticism from someone you wouldn't take advice from. And so I just wanted to share that because it's a great quote. Um, it's something that I live by now, and uh, I thought that a lot of people could get value from that quote. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have You gotta reach for and you gotta grab Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it so take your eyes away, or take 